Resilient Disciples podcast powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. I'm glad you're here. This is episode five of the podcast, which I think means that this podcast is legit. So for those of you who've been listening since day one, thank you. And if this is your first time, you picked a great week to jump in. The first four episodes of this podcast were one-on-one conversations with authors of the book, Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. If you go to resilientdisciples.com right now, you're going to see a ton more information with leader resources, information about where you can get the book and everything you need. It's kind of a one-stop shop. But I want to be clear that a lot of the conversations we have in this podcast are going to be branching off from material that starts in the book but isn't necessarily contained to the book. This week is an example of that. I sat down with three experts in children's ministry, Samuel Porsche, Kristen Thompson, and Kirsten Hitchcock. They actually just came back from the Children's Pastors Conference in Orlando. Now, before you think you know what this conversation is going to be about, this is not just a review of some conference that you weren't at. These are three people who, like the four authors of the book, like everybody here at Awana, have a heart for helping kids. Really, that's what this podcast is all about. So if you're someone who has been a children's leader in the kid ministry space for years, this podcast can be for you. And if you're someone who isn't sure how you feel about this whole Jesus thing, I deeply desire for this podcast to be for you too. Two quick housekeeping notes. Uh, This is going to be part one of the conversation. We talked for a long time. So make sure you hit that subscribe button because you're going to get part two of this conversation next week. And spoiler alert, part two has a ton of practical on the ground stuff for kids in your context. Also, make sure you're checking out the show notes. These guys talked a lot about different resources or things that I think you would probably want to be aware of. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so that you have as much information as possible. So thank you for listening. And here's episode five of the Resilient Disciples podcast with Kirsten, Kristen, Samuel, me, and most importantly, you. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Just for everyone listening, I want to start with just your names and your titles. And then I want to dive in. I want to kind of go over your top line takeaways, if you will, from the conference. Because I think when, especially an organization like Awana, when we're prepping for the conference, there's so much work and lead up and tension and planning that goes into this experience. Then the conference happens. And then immediately it's like, oh, well, got to go back to the rest of my life. So I want to kind of take a beat here because I think even if somebody wasn't at the conference, there's a lot that we all learned from there that we're going to be able to kind of help them apply to their context. I'm Kristen Thompson, and I'm the Director of Curriculum and Content. Hey, I'm Kirsten Hitchcock, and I'm the Curriculum and Content Developer. I am Samuel Porsche, and I'm the Manager of Membership Engagement. So at the conference, um, got a chance to meet and talk to a lot of people, and the main thing was this gap between the older generation and the younger generation, and how do we build a bridge and bring those generations closer together so that we can pass the baton well to the next generation for the body of Christ. It was some uplifting conversations, some pain points. Um, um, Some of the pain points, and I hope I'm not going ahead too far. No. But I'm on a roll now. Yeah, no. (laughs) So some of the pain points were just, um, hey, we we need more volunteers. We can't get people to volunteer. Um, There was a lot of pain around, we're the kid, we see the kids, but we just can't bring them into the building. Um, a lot of pain around not enough men leadership, so men volunteers. So um, those were a lot of the pain points for some of the conversations that I had in the booth. Mm-hmm. But the hope was incredible. I still I still saw that little twinkle in the eye, the excitement of what God can do, and I saw that hope. 
Yeah. So you are been a part of this world for a while and you've been, you've played different roles in the kingdom and you know, how are you able to sort of meet that need in the moment in a conversation at a booth? Um, like what'd you say to them when they said that? Um, when they talked about leadership in their community, as far as with the male leadership, I I had to find out more, Mm -hmm. um, because you have to uncover, you know, where, where's the problem really at? Some of them, there was a lot of addiction and poverty in their community, um, which had robbed the leadership of men in the community um, because of whatever depression, whatever was going on. So it was a lot of questions around that. Um, it was a lot of what else did they uncover as far as that? Um, as far as not a concentrated effort, um, I explained to them that there has to be an intentional effort yeah. to have men in to be a part of children's discipleship and be in the children's ministry and volunteer and get involved. And it centered around most of my conversation to them was about intentionality Mm -hmm. um, because things just don't happen unless you're intentional about them. And when we see a problem, we have to make an effort to be intentional about applying it all the time, even if it doesn't look like it's working and continue to plow at it and go at it because there's a, there's a result that we're trying to gain that will definitely help the kingdom and help the ministry period and help children period. So it was centered around intentionality. How much intentionality is centered on that? Um, I know that may be a problem, but just because it's a problem doesn't mean you're intentionally trying to solve the problem. Mm. And there's a difference. Yeah. And so that's where we kind of had our conversation more about intentionality. And it was really good because I asked them a lot of questions and based on what they said, um, I explained how, you know, Awana might, be able to fit that need in different ways and also about them being able to see, wow, we haven't really been intentional about this. We have a problem here, but we really haven't really intentionally responded to it. We just been kind of doing what we always do. It's super exciting. So you guys, uh, for those of you um, listening to the podcast, turn to your right now because you, you two were also able to lead a breakout and I want to kind of dig into, but to sort of go back to the original question I asked Samuel, what, you know, kind of big takeaways, like top line items um, from being at the conference. I'll jump in just because um, in my topic, there was something that really related to what you were saying, Samuel. So I was talking about um, innovation in children's ministry, mm. which is kind of a broad topic. And I was just joking afterwards that I think like in some ways people just wanted me to give them like a hundred ideas to make their ministry cooler. You know, like <laughs> if you have a popcorn cart, then, you know, you'll be solving all your ministry problems. Right. Like It'll that be kind fun of thing. all of a sudden. Be yeah. fun, yeah. which is yeah. true. And there are these amazing Facebook groups that um, a lot of us are on who've been in children's ministry. And you see people post these ideas that are incredible. Mm. And um, one of the things that I talked about in my breakout, though, is that like the unfortunate part of it is that like a lot of, Innovation always depends on your context. What's a good What's a good idea for your ministry might not be a good idea for someone else's, mm-hmm. right? And th- I think that's a pain point for people who run ministries, especially in difficult situations where there's, you know, poverty, poverty or um, family instability issues. Like they look at these ideas and they think, oh, okay, I'll do a popcorn cart. Wait, that didn't solve any of my problems. <laughs> And I'm not even like popcorn cart's not even real. No, yeah. If you have a popcorn cart in your trunk right now, that's that's totally legitimate. Yeah. I think our popcorn's delicious. But but the the problem is that like we're looking for like the silver bullet that will just like make it all better. And Mm. um, instead of really like breaking down how we can come up with ideas that actually meet a need. And so like we were talking about innovation, innovation is where 
um, you increase the effectiveness that a job something does um, is able to do by by increasing the value. I said mm-hmm. that really convoluted, but basically, there's something that a job do, that that something does, like a can opener opens cans. Now, if you're going to be innovative on a can opener, you can't do anything other than increase the effectiveness of opening the cans. And mm. so for children's ministry, you know, we exist to disciple kids. We exist mm-hmm. to support the church. We exist to bring people to Jesus into salvation with him and to disciple um, these kids. So nothing that we do that doesn't better help that job function isn't going to be helpful. And so in talking about context and about these pain points people had, one of the pain points we discovered in our research that we did, we did a research project a few months ago um, that was done by an outside group on our behalf. And um, we were trying to kind of go at it sideways, sideways with some of these questions that we wanted to know, okay, what are the pain points? How do people define children's ministry, first of all? Because mm-hmm. it is a little nebulous. Um, and how do you define success in children's ministry? And then what are the things that like caused you to not make that goal of success that you hope for within mm. your ministry? And this doesn't mean success like um, in the same way that it would in the business world because we're not talking about like sales numbers or like even kids' attendance. That was one thing people said, well, that helps me know if I'm being successful, but it's not really what it's about. It's really about um, kids knowing Jesus. So um, anyway, back to what you were saying, Sam, about volunteers. The One of the things we discovered with um, these survey respondents is that Volunteers was one of their biggest pain points, mm-hmm. but it was also one of the biggest indicators of success. So when we asked them, how, well, like, how do you define success in your ministry? And they said these things of discipleship, salvations, um, kids, you know, getting to know Jesus that didn't know him before, those kind of things. And then we said, why is it, why do you feel like your ministry is successful? One of the top answers was volunteers. When we hmm. said, why do you think your ministry isn't particularly successful? Those people, so it was like a little pop-up question that happened mm-hmm. after the first question, and those ones said volunteers too, but it was like the different parts of volunteers. Right. So having amazing right. volunteers is pretty much like the key secret sauce to success in your ministry. Having lack of volunteers, volunteers that need training, volunteers that aren't, um, you know, it, doing what they should do, what, bought it, whatever know. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was that was like a indicator of if you have that problem, you're probably not feeling successful in your ministry, which like we had gotten this research several months ago, but until really prepping for the talk, I hadn't thought about it um, quite the same way until then of like, wow, yeah, it really is this problem. And there's some parts, of course, that us on the side of creating curriculum and um, being about equipping leaders. There's some parts we can solve for people in ministry, and there's some parts that, like you're saying, Samuel, it's a it's an encouragement and it's a it's um, a it's helping the people who need to come up with the problem of the solutions to the problems within their ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, being an encouragement for intentionality or whatever it is. So um, anyway, that was kind of what we talked about, and we talked about different than how do you add value to your ministry sure. and um, what that means within children's ministry is um, basically making, making, doing a better job of making disciples. And so we talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. I did give a few ideas, but I really do think like at the end, I, I wish I would have had a hundred more I could have given them, but the problem is it's all, 
all contact. It's all, it's all contact. contact. Yes. And so yes. that's why I think mm-hmm. it's fun where we sit to be able to like bring in th- things like um, like resilient book that people can take and apply in different ways mm-hmm. or bright that we made to be used really in adaptable ways. But yeah, in the end, it's, you know, the power is in the hands of the leader. That's a, that's right. a good <laughs> and a bad thing, I suppose. So yeah, and this based on the research to realize like, oh, well, <laughs> if your leader's equipped, it's going to be great. If they're not I equipped mean, or yeah. you think they're equipped and they yeah. go in a completely different direction, you're like, right. oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, now what do I do? Because yeah. yeah. I gave them the same tools and they use them completely differently. Yeah. So I think you, you're starting. I was in attendance at your breakout and just finding mm-hmm. out like you had us think about what can make the can opener more useful or a cheese grater or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And the person next to me said, uh, I need a grater that is built into a bowl. So then it actually catches all the things that I grate. I was like, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's innovative. You know, yeah. realizing like, hey, that mm-hmm. was, we may not have thought of that as innovation at the moment, but it was a creative solution, which is really what you were leading all of us yeah. in the very beginning saying you want to add value. It's the creativity that you add to it yeah. that is yeah. going to add value. And the kids are going to see that, your leaders are going to see that. And so it was just fascinating to take, you know, kitchen gadgets was what you had us think about <laughs> in the very beginning, but to have us converse about that. Um, and it was in that room, you just heard all of the, mm. you heard all the ideas coming out in those yeah. first three minutes. Um, and re- realizing that we just hadn't thought about innovation in that way. We kept thinking that innovation meant it had to be it equal cool. Yeah, you know, or equaled that this had to be something that no one else was doing. It's like no innovation is looking at your context and actually seeing the need because what worked for a church out in California that had these resources that had this theme in their entire children's ministry is gonna be very different than the startup church that's a that's a plant that has ten kids ages three to twelve and eight of them are pastors. Eight of them are pastors' kids, like Mm -hmm. you know, and realizing. That innovation, while it looks different in each of those contexts, also has, it, it's about adding value. That's yeah. what you said. And so. no one's going to be looking at their kitchen the same way yeah. again. Uh, no, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, I think I, I got a, a little too obsessed with candy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that creativity piece because, I mean, we were created in God's image and God is a creator. Amen. So we don't tap into that part of us as humans and yeah. individuals enough. Yeah. We feel like it's gifted to certain individuals that you know, you can see really easy mm-hmm. at a young age. You're yeah. really creative. Yeah. I'm not. I'll never be creative. So we just, so I'm glad you tapped into that and kind of pushed people into a different level of who we all are in the image of God. Yeah. That we have that inside of us on the inside I think my teacher said that to me just to make my parents happy. They're like, you're... Creative. creative. <laughs> like, we can't use other words. Everybody is creative. That's exactly. Yeah. So I, I love that. I, I love, love that. that. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. We are excited to introduce Bright, a new digital weekend curriculum for children and students created by and for children's ministry leaders. Bright is the perfect solution to pair gospel truth with engaging content for children and leaders alike. Our prayer is that Bright would help kids navigate real-life challenges and shine as lights in the world. We believe the future of the church is bright. Download a free four-week sample of Bright today at resilientdisciples.com. Well, you guys want creativity. Well, I mean, I my breakout was all about how it was spiritual formation for kids was the mm. focus. And so trying to figure out, okay, how do you create these spiritual pathways for kids to engage with God when we know that 
kids are probably more connected to God than the rest of us. Like in, 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 in the way that it's not, it hasn't been been prescribed for them yet. It's just, it is, they are the most honest about Mm -hmm. it. Right. And, um, I talked to my breakout, it was about praying in color for kids. So a new way to pray, but really what it's about is how do you be honest with God? Play is honest. You mm-hmm. don't have to pretend. You don't have to be something you're not. God wants your whole self, your honest self. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talking about like, hey, it starts with knowing that your identity is in Jesus. Your identity is in um, the image of God. You were created in that way. And so how do you engage with that? Um, how do you engage with it? Not just on your own with Jesus, but how do you how do you see yourself in the mirror of your community? So um, Andrew Root talked about this in one of his books that, you know, the the community is the mirror of who you are. They're going to see themselves in the community. And so being in Christian community is so important for your faith development because you need to see yourself within that greater community. But you also need to see how God created each of you in his image and how he created each of you uniquely. I know we talk about that a lot. We say, you you're so uniquely creative. You, you are created in the image of God. You say, we say all these things like, and how do we engage that? Mm -hmm. How do we just not, that is just, that's not only truth. That is something to be engaged with Mm -hmm. throughout your life. And so, um, many years ago I was working as the support group director for kids and students and for kids who are going through grieving the loss of a parent due to death. They were grieving the loss of their parents' marriage. Um, so divorce, think divorce care and grief support. That's what I was doing. And I was trying to figure out ways of how, how can we help these kids talk to God to express their feelings and thoughts without having to maybe audibly say it. Sometimes that's the hardest thing is to acknowledge it just outwardly in words, spoken words. I don't know what to say, but in my mind, I'm so angry right now. So how do I, how can I express myself in a safe place? And so came, um, came across a book by Sybil Macbeth called Praying in Color. It was written for adults and it changed my prayer life. And I thought, huh, if I, maybe I just need to give kids a new pathway to talk to God and have them realize that you can write, you can draw, you can do whatever you want. I just want you to remember that when you do this, it's time spent with God. So you can draw whatever you want. Um, you can write whatever you want. God is not surprised. He mm-hmm. just wants you. Mm-hmm. He just wants you. And so what I actually did in my breakout was I gave them all this. Ev- I gave all the evidence of like, this is important. And guess what? Now you're going to do it. <laughs> and so I had, we had people in the room that, I, I walked them through like what my first session of praying in color would be like for kids, like to get them thinking about how praying is not just you talking to God. God wants to say something to you. Mm. So maybe some, maybe he brings to mind a person that you haven't thought about in years. Yeah. And he brings that person's name to your mind. You're like, what's that about? Well, I guess I'll pray about that person. Pray for that person. I don't know what's going on. And I just prayed for, you know, the Holy spirit to move because we know that, that we, we need that space. We just need space. And so gave everyone in that room eight minutes to just converse with God, um, played some soft, soft music, didn't have any words and just gave them space. Um, I love that you gave them all colored pencils. I gave them colored pencils. I gave them cards. I was like, we know we are doing this. I'm not kidding. I didn't have paper or pencils, but I had Sharpies and a flip chart. So there I was in front of everyone else being like, I'm going to, I need my time too. (laughs) Absolutely. And, um, I had made a joke in my breakout that at the conference, they, they give you, they gave us a playlist. So CPC gave you the worship playlist before you came. So you could listen to all the music and, 
if you weren't familiar with it, you could know it. Well, there was one song that had hit me long ago when they brought out the playlist that it was called Waymaker. Promise Keeper was like what kept reminding me of, yes, Mm -hmm. you understand his promise. Do you understand his promise? Mm -hmm. He is one that it may not feel like or or you may, you may not see it, you may not feel it right now, but he is a promise maker, promise keeper. Mm. That is who he is. Yeah. And so that was like the central part of my prayer that day was just like, God, remind me of your promises mm. and brought to mind, you know, a dear friend of mine who's going through a really difficult time with her teenage daughter who, you know, is having her teenage daughter is just having these, these thoughts of, Oh, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm. All of these things to the point where needed, needed some major help. Sure. Um, but wanted everyone to know in the room be like, and that is my way of intercessory for mm-hmm. that family. That this is my listening prayer. So really you're teaching kids these spiritual disciplines without them even knowing it. Yeah, and so, right. um, having giving, having been given the opportunity to be with those adults in that room so that part of it is I'm like, if you experience this, you're going to know better how you could lead your kids through it. Yeah. And so I had people come up afterwards and say, okay, how could I, how could I do that this, like this Sunday? Awesome. I was like, That's okay, great. That's awesome. it's Wednesday. Just follow. I gave you all my teaching notes. Just go <laughs> yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yeah. just, if you only have 10 minutes, then just say anything you draw. It's just time spent with God. Every moment your pen hits the page, it's time with God. That's all you have to do. That's the only thing you really have to set up. And then over time, they're going to be able to practice that, take it home. And so it was just, it it was a rich experience to be able to see so many engage with it. But then to be able to share with them, like, hey, here's how I've seen it work in the lives of kids as young as four years old. Yeah. And as old as 18, who were, who were the students in the ministry at the time that we were doing this because they could express their feelings in a new way. Yeah. Um, And so it was just really powerful to see that and to see how... (laughs) Everyone, you, you could feel that we were all on the same team. Yeah, I, I think that's what I, yeah. I think that's the energy I felt in that room. Was just what do you like, mean by that? What I mean is, you walk in and okay, so Awana is one of multiple publishers at this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyndale is there. Different cricket. David C. Cook was there. Orange was there. Mm-hmm. Group like all, and we were all, but we were all engaging in conversation about like how do we want to just bring these children to Jesus? Like yeah. we just yeah. that is yeah. we are all and we're all on the kingdom side of this. That's like right. we're all that's like, right. hey, you have people that are resources that we don't have. How can we? That's how can right. we partner? How can we mm-hmm. encourage this? Yeah. How can the the conversation that yes, that Awana is starting right now about resilience about. Yeah you know, bright, it's, this was a desire from deep within our hearts as former children's pastors. Chris and I have been in ministry for years. Um, many people on our writing team have been in ministry and we just see Mm -hmm. there was a need there. Mm -hmm. They were like, Mm -hmm. this is a need and we want to, we want to see how we can help with it. And so that is where that conversation first started. And it's about helping not right. It, this isn't necessarily about practitioners having the tools. It's more about giving, how do we give a space for kids to encounter God? Like that's what we have been seeing for years is just, you just need to give space Yeah. and we need to train on how you give people space without it feeling awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. what I hear from all of you guys talk about pain points or talking about what your areas of focus were, was that by making it about the kids again, which sounds kind of overly simplistic, <laughs> more work is accomplished, right? Like it's not, it's not about like this cool programming. It's not about this cool partnership. And I think sometimes too, 
organizations like Awana and probably Awana itself did lead too much with the sort of extra stuff. It is a tribe. Children's ministry leaders are a tribe. Um, but in a lot of ways, we are just uh, maybe slightly more passionate members of the tribe of uh, evangelical Christians in general, too, mm-hmm. um, that just happen to be particularly passionate about kids. Um, I think for me, I um, grew up in a really large church and started volunteering as a children's ministry volunteer in classrooms like as soon as I could and really loved it. Uh, and pretty early on, like during college, knew that I wanted to work with children. I had done um, done some different trips internationally and thought about maybe uh, serving in another country. And then uh, over time, I guess what I really came to was more uh, this sense that children are my people group and that hmm. I'm learning to, you know, understand how they think and talk. Episode title. And um, <laughs> it's my people group. Children yeah. are my people yes. group. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's like we all work kids, so we all, it's not like this is a foreign culture to any of us, <laughs> yeah. but there's nuances that we forget. And you see that, right, when you see the world through a kid's eyes, um, just little things that we forget uh, that make a big difference. And some of it is because people don't care. And sometimes it's because they care very much, but they just forget. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that study that came out. This was like, I don't know, it was a few months ago. And it was this science project that these kids did where they, um, okay, this is a tangent. Is that allowed? Okay. So, <laughs> Go um, for it. This is episode five of a podcast. It doesn't, so, there's no, there's no rules. So, um, there's this study done by kids. They did it for a science fair project, but then it got like national attention where they measured the decibel levels of hand dryers. Did you guys see this? So, you know, like in the bathroom, the hand dryers. So they measured the decibel levels of a hand dryer at an adult height. And then they measured them again at a kid height because who here has seen a child totally freaked out of the hand dryers? I feel like for years, my kids would never use the hand dryer um, because they're like, it's loud, it's scary. So I end up, you know, they end up having to like wipe their hands off on my pants because they, you know, all all of this eco-friendly stuff, which Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand the hand dryer thing, but there's, but anyway, these hand dryers, where they're installed and the decibel levels um, if you measure it from an adult height versus mm-hmm. a kid height, there's a huge difference. Like the amount of sound that it p- produces at a kid height mm-hmm. is terrifying. Um, and I can't remember what they they um, said that it was equivalent to, but basically like that's just a um, like a lack of empathy or consideration sure. for this mm. huge people group um, that operates in our culture. Um, anyway, mm. so... Getting back to my story, I just no, feel that's like super there's a, yeah, sorry, that is that's a random tangent. But um there's there's a lot that uh we need to keep in mind in doing ministry with kids and I just am really passionate about that. So hundred and ten decibels if you Google this. Okay, uh, yeah. Serious. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? I was hoping that's what you were Googling. Yeah. <laughs> operate hundred and ten decibels. Health Canada has regulated that no toys operate at more than a hundred decibels. Wow. Yes. That's insane. Wow. Isn't that insane? And it, I wow. can also sense? name who's the worst, but I won't do that. Yeah, one. don't name the hand dryer because they're going to be a sponsor yeah. okay yeah. I won't say it. <laughs> making making kid ministry more kid friendly like yes. is really really important and that doesn't mean we water anything down but no. it, it means that it's 
it's better, it's more valuable and delicious to kids to learn about the Bible. Kid level does not mean watered down. Yeah. And I think for so long, right. so many people have, I don't know why we've associated that or why people, you know, it's like, no, the Kidman community, they want Bible. They want, yeah. they, it's like, no, we want biblically sound. We want, it's like, no, the, we, I think we understand there are certain stories that you're like, oh, maybe wait till they're in third or fourth grade to teach that story just because of the, whether it's the violence in the story or it's uh-huh. like the true meaning of the story, but don't, don't teach them that story at a kid, at a kid level that makes it be something it's not. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. And I think that's what, uh, Kristen, you've, you're, what you're talking about is like, Hey, I want it to be at a, I want to be at a kid level that makes it nutritious and delicious and all of that so that they hunger for more. They hunger for more of God's word. Yeah. I love that. Thanks to Kirsten, Kristen, and Samuel for joining me today. And thank you for listening, especially all the way to the end. If you're still here, you're probably my mom. Hi, mom. Or you actually think this conversation is the most critical conversation we can be having as a church today. And I agree. Like I said in the beginning, this is part one of the conversation. You will get part two next week. We're going to be rolling these out on Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. So please rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Because next week, you're going to be getting a ton more practical kind of on the ground stuff that you can apply to your context. And if you're not in ministry and you're listening to this, this stuff works for any kid in your life that you care about. Before you go, I have one more thing. I asked Samuel, what does resilient mean to him? And honestly, his answer is now my definition of resilient. So one more time, here's Samuel, Kirsten, and Kristen, and I'll talk to you next week. Resilient is being able to experience circumstances, battles, warfare, ups and downs, and come out and come out of it with hope, with joy, and with excitement of what God can do for the future. Because resilient in the world and resilient through God looks different. In the world, you're resilient, but you're bitter and you're angry. And you grow old with all these things that look not like the character of God. Uh When you're under the character of God and you're a disciple of Christ, then you take on those characteristics no matter what you've been through. And you have the scars to show it and you overcome by the word of your testimony. So you have stories to tell of God's goodness. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Go to resilientdisciples.com for more information and many more of these conversations. Special thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making this conversation happen. 